Hey pals, we just want to say thanks to all those that help us make this show possible. As an independent podcast, we rely on you. If you'd like to find all the ways to support your Miami Vice podcast, head on over to patreon.com slash go with the heat to find out more. Hello and welcome to Go With The Heat. I'm Dominic. And I'm John. I'm Melissa. And this is your cultural guide to the phenomenon that was Miami Vice. This week we're talking about Season 5, Episode 8, titled Hard Knocks. It originally premiered on January 20th, 1989. It is written by Robert Ward. Now, huh, I mean, just Season 5, feel like they use a lot of the same writers. Like, they, maybe they turned over the whole writer's room and there's only a handful of people. Oh, oh, wait, this guy wrote the episode last week. <laughs> he also wrote Asian Cut. <laughs> he also wrote Redemption in Blood. And he's got seven more episodes coming. He's all up. Ah, I wonder this if is, he was the cheapest writer. <laughs> this has also got a couple of co-writers. So Scott Shepard, who also co-wrote Redemption in Blood and Bad Timing. And Ken Solars, who co-wrote Hostile Takeover. And was also on the Redemption in Blood team. They just took that Redemption <laughs> in Blood to Paris. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the director is Vern Gillum. Oh, Vern. Oh, Vern. Child's Play. Boroska. That's all right. Vern? C- cows. As cows. in Vern and Bob's trucking? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. That's where they got the name. He's responsible for the cows, too. Just just, just putting that out there. He's still got one uh, more coming. Before we get started, could check in and see what's going on in each other's lives. Pals, we've said we are recording this ahead of time. Because Melissa and I are expecting a child, which at this point in time has probably arrived. We're probably struggling to find sleep in between the <laughs> moments of, of a newborn and a toddler plus two teenagers. So, you know, we're just know we're very busy while this episode, we have pre-recorded this episode. But because this is going to be a few weeks late, we didn't want to miss the opportunity to talk about that Bumblebee trailer that came out as we record today, but this is way in the past for y'all that are listening right now. Melissa, (laughs) you are by far the (laughs) biggest Transformers fan of the three of us. Yes, I am. You know everything about the Transformers. Yes. What excites you the most about this trailer? That I know all the Autobots that are in it. You can actually (laughs) recognize everybody. And the Decepticons. (laughs) Right off the bat, you're like, that sound wave. Oh my God, that's Starscream. Yeah, there's Shockwave. There's Shockwave. Shockwave was the best. I mean, Soundwave looked great. Yes. yes the cassette tape come out. Mm-hmm. and But Soundwave looks fantastic. Yes, he does. He looks fantastic. Or yes. uh, Shockwave does too. Starscream, you can actually recognize everyone. Unlike the Michael Bay movies, we can't recognize nobody. Even if you know who they are, they don't look this, They don't look right. So this is good because it's so, classic Transformers. So who's the new uh, director? These aren't, the Mi- these aren't Michael no- Bay. Yeah, this is not Michael Bay, but it, it, I don't know who the director is. He's an, an up-and-coming director, but it's still Michael Bay's production company that's doing them. So we'll still oh, have all the special okay. effects from him. It's just he won't be doing the directing. Thank God. No, just won't let him touch the camera. Yeah, just don't let him touch the I, camera. I was, I was going to say after the uh, Marky Mark one, I, I'm hesitant to spend money Transformers after this. <laughs> yeah, so. no, I don't blame you. I am too. I love Transformers, but I'm very hesitant. But I was, I mean, I will admit, I, I was a little bit hesitant because John Cena's in it. I love John Cena, but <laughs> as an actor, I'm not so <laughs> sure. So. <laughs> but it looks really good. So the direct- seems like a guy that would have pretty good range. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the director of this movie is Travis Knight. He's an animator or a lead animator on Kubo and the Two Strings, The Box Trolls, Paranorman, Coraline. Like some of the best animated movies. Yeah, those are some really good animated like ones. 10 years. Yeah. It's a strong sign that I don't recognize any of those. <laughs> <laughs> it's set. The movie is set in 1987. Yes. And it has the classic-looking oh. Transformers. There's nothing else I want. No, exactly. Nothing else. Except for John well, Cena like constantly I said, confused. Well, you got that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I am excited, but I am cautious. So I will wait till I can view that for free. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of things that aren't free, that's Stan's poor, poor Stan. Stan's got himself in a hole, and he just can't get himself out. Let's go break down this oh, week's episode. Man. All right, when we open up, we got a great big old convoy. Ain't a beautiful sight. We got a big <laughs> convoy. We got a nice trucker driving montage over some bridges right in the very beginning. Perfect 1989 movie. Stereotype of, yeah. a, of a trucker, too. <laughs> I already made a comment about our director slash trucking company owner, Vernon, <laughs> uh, with his partner, Bob. What do you think? They're, they're trying to be like a wine truck? Is that what that... I think uh, it was symbol supposed to be, is supposed to be. Yeah, I thought it was wine. Yeah. Crate and barrel. 
(laughs) (laughs) We find out going through this open that it's a cover for a gambling ring. They're not very good criminals. Where's the bandit? I mean, where's the tail car? I have to give Miami Vice credit. They come up with some very ingenious ways for criminals to be doing things. So we had the whore train. Uh-huh. That, was, that was a fantastic. <laughs> now idea. we got the money truck. Yeah, yeah. If only the train just didn't uh-huh. go through the middle of town. Yeah, the horse be... train's got to go around town. <laughs> you can't bring your horse right through it. So. <laughs> and this gambling uh-huh. truck is a fantastic idea. Like they're working out of the back. They're constantly moving. It's okay for that truck to be out there doing stuff. That can get calls. That that's the only downfall here. So, uh, how do how they get calls in 1989? <laughs> how do they contact the outside world here? Also, there's another drawback. Um, what were they going to do if someone pulled them over? There's no like, there's no decoy back there, like boxes or someplace for them to hide or false walls or anything. Yeah. They're just going to be there. In the- Don't go by any way stations. That's what I'm saying. It's not very, not really well thought out. They make a point to show you the license plates, you know, so like they're going from New York to Florida and back and stuff. At the same time, Stan is at a football game with his buddy Mac, and Mac's son is also the quarterback of the team and we find out later this is a college team but i thought it was a high school team no, in the I, beginning. Still, I think it's high school because at the very end he says something about i don't know how i got myself mixed up in this whole thing over a high school game the kid he says it yeah but then on the tv they say it's like the state U- university i don't know i, don't know. I can't figure out because if yeah. college, what kind of parent is yelling from the stands at their what kind of kid. parent is yelling from the stands at their high school kid? Oh, come on. You got to know high school football. Like, that's well, a thing. Yeah, and let's be honest. This kid's head's kind of a dickhead. Yeah. <laughs> this scene is like cutting back and forth between the semi driving and the practice that's out on the field. Kevin's dad's being a real hard ass. is yelling at his kid out there. I got to think. Get your head in the game. Name some more cliches to throw down onto the field. Touch it with both your hands. <laughs> Catch it. <laughs> Tackle it. Run. Squeeze it through the hole. The big thing that we get is that there's a championship game that's coming up this weekend. Stan knows Kevin, the player, and Mac, the dad, really well. At the same time, they're stopping this gambling truck, and that's the rest of the vice team is out doing that. So Stan's not part of that. They have a helicopter. They got the duo in the Ferrari. The ladies are part of it. Everyone's a part of it. They, they're able to stop the truck. But the truck, I don't know what their plan was. Why they just, why the truckers are like, okay, boys, you're on your own. He like dumps the trailer. Well, he doesn't want to be a part of it. He yeah, dude, gone. that was great. It's like, later, bitches. Drops the trailer. <laughs> and, and like, he's in a big-ass 18-wheeler. Like, he's going to outrun the cops. Yeah, where's he going to go? Like, so if I just drop my trailer. So, obviously, they caught everyone that was in the back of the trailer. And like you were saying, Melissa, there's no cover. So, don't throw open the doors. There's, like, boxes there. No, they're just all staying there like idiots. Like, <laughs> we have phones that one go really nowhere. Long <laughs> phone, yeah, one really long phone line from the trailer going all the way back out of state. <laughs> And then we go to the opening credits. This is our moment to check in with the guest stars. John, you noticed something that started last week, and the trend is continuing here. What might be perceived as the Miami Vice budget going forward. Guys, I think we're out of cash. No more (laughs) moolah. So the guest stars have gotten less and less. Julia Roberts and more and more. Guy guy that played cop number three in this movie. (laughs) And we have some more returning actors. Because apparently if you act in more than one episode, you get a you get like a group rate or validate your parking <laughs> or something. Let's start out with Richard Jenkins, who plays Marvin Goodman. You might remember him as DEA agent Ed Waters in the episode Smuggler's Blues. You know, bad guy, DEA agent. We know what feds, we know all feds are bad, so makes sense. <laughs> Rather than go through everything with him again, he was in Burn After Reading, Step Brothers, Let Me In, Jack Reacher. Started in theater been doing tvs and movies since the 80s our next guest star is victor slezak the slezoids uh, so just keep making a reappearance <laughs> he plays jeremy horowitz and we get a small connection here in our guest stars because uh he was a he's a stage tv and screen actor he was in uh, the bridges of madison county and beyond rangoon and the Devil's Own and the Siege. So he's actually got some decent movies on on his resume. He was also in six episodes of Hell on Wheels, six episodes of Blue Bloods, and he was on a season of Guiding Light. Now, does that tie in? Because Jordan Clark, who plays Mac Molner, he's best known for his role uh, as Billy Lewis 
second on CBS's Guiding Light. Mm, so two two Guiding Light actors. And not only did Jordan Clark play Billy Lewis on Guiding Light from 82 to 2009 on and off. Wow. Um, oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. He also played the role of Dr. Tim Ray on Guiding Light from 74 to 76. <laughs> so he was Dr. Tim Ray in the 70s. He went away for a while. And then he came back in 82 as Billy Lewis. <laughs> Maybe he's an evil twin. <laughs> Our next guest star is Alicia Grayfield, who plays Holly. I also know her as Rona Akers, who play, uh, Lonnie Akers' wife in the episode Missing Hours. You know, that's the last episode I expected someone to have a returning role. Not yeah. necessarily the same as the same person, which is like, be invited back. No one should get invited back. <laughs> no one. Just kind of scanning her IMBD. She played a detective in Too Fast and Too Furious. As far as TV, she was the first woman on BL Striker. And on Dawson's, she played a desk clerk. So I guess the fact that Miami <laughs> Vice actually named her characters, uh, this is probably a pretty big role for her. <laughs> Our next star is Richard Joseph Paul. He plays Kevin Mulhern. Revenge of the Nerds 2, Nerds in Paradise. Quick Change in Amparella. And he was also in the Knight Rider 2010-94 TV movie. He was in a few other things, but something caught my eye when I was uh, researching him. Something other than a 2010 Knight Rider TV movie? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, 1994. Uh it's called Night Rider 2010. Oh, gotcha. Oh. So. No, I was confused because I heard 1994 and then I thought you said in 2000. I was like, Sorry. What? <laughs> Sorry. No, 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 no. In 94, it was supposed to be Night Rider in the future. Spoiler alert, you could be disappointed. <laughs> That's interesting enough to have on your resume, but. I, and I believe it's his very first acting credit. It was in a CBS school break special in 1987 called What If I'm Gay? Wow, 1987. I'm sure that is nice and fair to homosexual people. I'm sure. And you know, they cover how, how important love is love. And I probably watched that because I used to love those after school specials. <laughs> oh, so you know Rich Joseph Paul very well then. Yeah. Um, <laughs> probably along the lines of what a sexual harassment training video was in the 70s. You can pinch, just don't leave your hand there. <laughs> <laughs> don't leave a mark. <laughs> <laughs> and that is your guesses. When we come back from the opening credits, we're back at the precinct. The team is reviewing. Unfortunately, their man Chi Chi, the one that they were after, got away. <laughs> Damn Chi Chi. Chi-Chi is like a go-to name on this show when it comes to Hispanic that won't be appearing much. <laughs> <laughs> Undefined Hispanic. <laughs> so when the episode first started, we've already gotten a few whiffs of Stan's gambling. I thought that maybe Stan was diamond his keys out. Like, that's what the sting was. Mm, interesting. Yeah, because we have had this season, this season only, we've had just a couple moments of like, hey, put me down for this or do that. And I'm going to get more into like what Stan's actually into because I, I, this episode goes deep. The water looks shallow, but it is extremely deep. Yes. Chi-Chi's been running the organization for years. They made a move on him based on a call from a tipster who didn't leave a name. They couldn't get any information on just hung up immediately. Casio says, okay, set low bail on all the bookies, the people they arrested in the back of the trailer, and we'll hopefully we'll be able to follow them to Chi-Chi. They break the meeting, but then Castillo says, hey, Stan, can I come talk to you? Stan has this look of fear in his eyes, like, oh my god, what's this going to be about? They just arrested a whole bunch of bookies, and uh, we don't know anything yet, but we, like, left to insinuate kind of what this means. Castillo brings him in and says, I got this paperwork for you from downtown. Stan already knows. I got declined for my promotion, didn't I? Castillo says, it's not your fault. It's budget. We're not hiring any more sergeants. We're not promoting any people. So unfortunately, there's no room for you because we're not paying any more sergeants. And Stan really lets it out there and shows his frustration across the board with all of this. He can't apply again oh, yeah. for another two years. It's not about the money. It's about the job. I'm burning out. He's burned out. Yeah. And then and then dad's like, well, if you need money, you can go to the credit union. He's like, it's not about that. Oh. That, that I'm tired of this. Yeah. Yeah. Because he was like standing there. He's like starting to get awkward. He's like, oh, you, you can moonlight. You know, you can always moonlight. Like, <laughs> I, I don't know what to tell you, brother. <laughs> and Stan's 100% right here. I just do 
a portion of the job here at Vice. I think I'm a good cop. I deserve more. I try for these promotions, but I get declined, and now I have to wait two years to be able to do it. I don't know if I can hold on for two more years continuing to do this. He said he didn't want to be in that bug van anymore. He thought, I don't want to be in the van anymore. Mm-hmm. I'm tired of doing that. And then Castillo's like, if it's any consolation, you're the best at your job. It's like, what? <laughs> hey, what? The best no, at no. the bug Wait, van. Go back here. <laughs> what are the other guys doing? <laughs> are they not no, I, magic I, while they go and set up these surveillances? Is that what you're talking about? Uh-huh. Watching witnesses as they escape hotels. Eating hot dogs while he's supposed to be following witnesses. No, I love that about Castillo. He throws that in at the very end, that, that little, uh, hey, please don't quit. <laughs> then I'll be stuck with these knuckleheads. He's practicing the like the bad news, good news sandwich, right? It's like, <laughs> uh-huh. good news is it's not because of your work. Bad news is because of budget. Good news is you're the best at your job. <laughs> sandwich. Uh-huh. <laughs> Give me a high five, buddy. I'm going to get you a stamp. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Over at the casino, which I think the casino is Woody's. It's Woody's Casino. I, don't I think know. that's what it's called. <laughs> it's called- but it's Chi-Chi's Casino. And he's there meeting with a man named Marvin. Chi-Chi's the local. He's there in Miami. Marvin is the New York connection, which, John, as you mentioned in the beginning with the truck, it has New York plates and Florida plates on it. And so these two people have a deal that they're going to work together on this. But the New York connection, Marvin, he's trying to buy out Chi-Chi. He wants him out. Chi-Chi says, I'm making so much money. I'm not getting out. There's no way I'm going to leave. And Marvin says, well, I mean, it'd be a shame if any more anonymous tips come in. And then that answers the question of who was the anonymous tip. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, Chi-Chi's not happy about it. These guys, man, these New York guys, they do business a long way around, I guess. Because, <laughs> I mean, they could have, in a few scenes, we're going to come back to this. It's like, well, they could have just done this before. Well, I think they didn't do it before because he had his guys there. So he was all by himself when yeah, they come back. Instead of any of the discussions, like they could have. Yeah, just that's true. Them. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah. I felt the same way uh, later with their conversations with Dan and Kevin. Well, wait a minute. Didn't you just threaten him to get him to do that? Like, How can like, you threaten them both of them to do it? And then the third? Okay, okay, yeah. Meanwhile, out in the casino. There's a, wait, uh, there's a waitress dispensing drinks. Some people are playing craps. Another at a blackjack table. We pan around. And who's there? Lounge singer Stan himself is there at the blackjack table. Question. Is gambling legal in Miami? I don't think it is. I don't think so. Don't believe so. No. Pretty sure that was that's part of Vice's task. Uh, yeah. That's what they're tasked with is gambling. Not, well, not yeah, homicide. They- gambling. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Why are they getting the? Why were they getting the truck then? If it's gambling, it's okay. Yeah. So Stan obviously is gambling. If he was like in Vegas, there'd be a problem. Like he's just addicted to gambling. No, it's double. Hold. But in this case, yeah. he's doing an illegal act in gambling. And he's addicted. And, and yeah. those nine drinks they come in into play here too. <laughs> yeah. Stan's having a rough night. He's not playing too well. But he runs into Kevin, the quarterback that plays for the high school. College? High school? I don't know. High school? Something. College. Gotta be college. Because it's state university. And state university wouldn't play university state. <laughs> <laughs> He's there with his agent. He introduces his agent and his best gal. And they're there having a good time. Stan is pissed. He's like, what are you doing here this weekend? And he doesn't say, because later Stan will say, Mac and Kevin are like family to me. He says, Kevin, what are you doing here? You have a game this weekend. As in, you're going to ruin my bet yeah, what are this you doing? weekend. <laughs> This is the type of stuff mm-hmm. I'm talking about that is deeper with Stan than what is at the what you just see at the surface with this episode. The first thing he says is, you have a big game this weekend. How come you're here doing gambling and drinking and out with your lady? You should be getting ready for this game. Not, Kevin, you're like a son to me. I'm worried about you. I'm yeah. worried about you being here. The other thing I wanted to point out at this is that Stan is very comfortable in this casino. Lots of people know him. He's very comfortable. He's wanting to let his guard down. Kind of other people in the facility know what he is. Yes, that's true. Too. He obviously goes mm-hmm. to this place a lot. And he's with some other lady, too, by the way. Like sitting with some lady while he's gambling. That That's not Holly. <laughs> <laughs> Holly would never understand as we get from 30 seconds of screen time with her. <laughs> Holly, I, actually, I feel Holly bad was very for Holly. understanding. <laughs> I think Holly might be abused. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. And then Kevin leaves. 
And he goes over to the pit boss, says, hey, is my money good here? How much of a marker can I get? He gets a $70,000 marker. Yes. and then 70000 Then as he walks away, his agent comes mm-hmm. up and asks the boss, how much is he in for? He's like $100,000. And then Stan is overhearing all of this. He's off in the distance, but he's listening. He's using his listening ears. <laughs> <laughs> his surveillance <technique laughs> to gather information. Less important is in the back yeah. of the casino, Chi-Chi's getting stabbed to death. But that's not important. Yeah, yeah, Poor Chi-Chi. Whatever. He was just in there like, writing some numbers and some books and stuff. This is kind of step one of what I was talking about. Okay, so you travel from New York to meet with Chi-Chi just to tease him, leave, come back and stab him. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe just send the guys over to stab him. Maybe the meeting <laughs> was unnecessary. Yeah, and also I they don't need know. to use the truck. <laughs> and what's with the, the, the tip-off? Weren't they... Working together, like, isn't he the New York guy and Chi-Chi was the Florida guy? Like, why is he tipping off his own truck? I don't know. And th- there's lots of questions with, like, what the actual gambling angle is here. Who stands to make the most money? But it's clear Florida people just can't handle New York people. You s- y'all just got to go. <laughs> Except tubs, apparently. Well, I guess we should move on to a place that specializes in food that died of natural causes. <laughs> so the next day at the bar, Stan is harassing the wait staff about when did this thing actually die also it's max bar so that's why he feels more comfortable there but he's really comfortable at this bar everyone knows him by name there kind of like you know as if he's some sort of norm character <laughs> that wanders about miami he wishes <laughs> norm. norm like that matt comes over they start talking they head over to the pool table and matt is saying Kevin, his kid, is ungrateful. He's not appreciative of all the time that Matt gave up to teach him to be this great quarterback. Stan says, you're being too hard on him. And Max says, you're a jerk, pal. Get out of my bar. We're not best friends anymore. I never realized what a jerk you were. <laughs> Did I already say that this guy's kind of a dickhead? <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's basically complaining about being a father. He's like, well, I mean, look, I was a father to that damn kid. <laughs> we played catch that one time. He owes me. At the precinct, Crockett, Trudy, Tubbs, and Castillo. No Stan. No Stan. Just just rapping in Dad's office. Just like every Tuesday, you know, on a big case. Everyone's just kind of hanging out, throwing out ideas. Chi-Chi's in a dumpster. Like <laughs> yeah, he's, no one's sad about that, though. <laughs> <laughs> They're showing Dad the connections. They can't really find any connections with who would kill Chi-Chi. They don't know about anyone that would be trying to move in on his territory. And Dad says, hey, so where's, where's Stan? How come Stan's not here? Where's my boy? How come my boy's not here? Yep. And and uh, Crockett's like, yeah, he's got a dentist appointment. He had a bad tooth or something. <laughs> and then as the duo walk away, Sonny says to Tubbs, so like, really, where is Stan? How come this is the second time this week he hasn't been to one of these meetings? And Tubbs says, hey, no one around here shows any appreciation for him. No one ever tells him about doing a good job. He was bent on getting that promotion, and now he thinks that no one appreciates him. See, he's taking it really hard that he didn't get that promotion. Tubbs. Because yeah, Tubbs knows so how he... it feels to be underappreciated. And speaking of exactly. being... Exactly. And speaking of being underappreciated, while they're having this conversation, Stan is having his hat took and punched through, and then being left dead in an alley by the <laughs> muscle from Marvin's men. He is getting worked. Oh, yeah. They, they beat the crap out of him. And Throughout the episode, Stan is slowly but surely turning into like some kind of like sad sack. He's turning homeless before our <laughs> eyes. Like the five o'clock shadow is getting darker. Clothes are getting more and more beat up. You know, you know, you look at him, he oh. looks like he stinks too. It's like he's not taking a shower, uh-huh. he's all dirty. His hair looks like somebody mm-hmm. wouldn't shook it all up. <laughs> and then this is what gets me. The muscle guys are like, hey, you're buddies with that quarterback and his dad. Well, for- basically, they'll forgive his dad if he gets him to throw the game. Uh, they'll call it even. So I'm like, oh, okay. You're going to lean on Stan. Like, that's tough for him. He's going to have to make that decision with his friend's kid. And then the next scene jumps. And the same muscle guys are now muscling the kid. You're going to throw the football game. Well, then why did you just why'd you make the offer just gonna go threaten exactly melissa that seems like a bad business decision because <laughs> if he throws the game they gotta wipe two debts it was uh, like two hundred seventy-five thousand dollars in debt between the two of them so that's a lot of money is he betting on this game yeah what the hell <laughs> beat up stan to get him to go threaten the kid and then they're like well screw it i'm still in the beat up mood let's go threaten the kid anyway <laughs> 
Well, the thing I could think of is that they were for sure that it was going to take Kevin a lot of convincing to do it. Which is what, they, even after that, he wasn't convinced to do it. No, I'm not going to do it. Because Kevin leaves immediately from there and goes to his agent and says, I'm down $200,000. And it's mostly because you've set me up with these other people. Not knowing that his agent's dirty, just yeah. saying, you introduced me to these people that I've made all these stupid decisions because you introduced me to these <laughs> Yeah, people. exactly. His agent's like, hey, man, I- I'm just your agent. I don't actually pay you money. I just get you working stuff. How does he have an agent if he's in high school? Isn't there rules against well, that? There's also rules against it in college. Which, okay, uh, let's just... He's in junior college football. Let's just go with that. (laughs) The mystery will never be solved. We'll never know. (laughs) At practice the next day, Kevin is struggling bad. He's super distracted based on, you know, getting worked over. He's probably sore. (laughs) And his dad is not helping in the stands. Yeah, Sam and Mac again are watching from the stands. Mac is having a meltdown watching how his son is performing on the field. And after practice, Mac goes up and grabs Kevin. They go into like the separate part of the locker room and have like a screaming match at each other. Mac says, get your head in it. I don't know why I wasted all that time on you, getting you to become a good football player. And Kevin says, you want to know what's wrong with me? Look in the mirror. That is an amazing comeback. (laughs) That is fantastic. Kevin, good job. Guys, guys. I'm keeping that one. All right. I'm a child of the 90s. All I saw was, I don't want your life. (laughs) That's it. That was that was all I saw in that scene. I was like, now he just needs to throw a football at him. Yeah. <laughs> Kevin storms off while Max says, I made you. Now we go over to Stan's place, which we haven't been there in a while. Not since season one, we've been to Stan's place. Stan's watching TV and his girlfriend comes out, Holly. She turns off the TV and Stan says, I was watching the game. She's like, it's just a game. She's like, oh, did you ever say it's just a game? It's never just a game. I got $40,000 riding on that game. Exactly. I'm worried about Holly. Like, how's Stan treating Holly? Because like, she comes out and he basically like, shut up and get back in the kitchen, bitch. Game's not over. <laughs> yeah, she's not. She's not nagging him. She's like telling him, you know, he's like basically giving her all the rundown what's going on. His job's a dead end. He didn't get the promotion he wanted. No one's going to respect him and, you know, like whatever. But everything sucks. And she's like, oh, you're a great cop. And we know it. And then she says, like, it sounds like it sounds like you need some time to yourself. You want me to leave? Yeah. No, no, <laughs> like, no don't leave. Uh, yeah, but she doesn't she needs seem to like. Leave. She needs to get far away from him. But she doesn't seem like she's being pushy or that she's being overbearing or not getting down on him. Like, why didn't you get that promotion, stupid? <laughs> it's because your magic sucks, isn't it? They've seen it. Uh-huh. <laughs> Come on, Tommy. I expect you to get that promotion. Now I'm going to sleep with your best friend, Greg. <laughs> exactly. And to make matters worse, then he gets that phone call and they're basically threatening him because he still owes them the 75K or whatever. Do this or we're going to kill you. And he's like yelling into the phone and like she's in the back background, just like cowering in the hallway. Yeah, she's watching the entire time. Here's the entire conversation. Stan is doing a mm-hmm. terrible job of covering up his secret life. <laughs> so she pretty much knows that he's he's got to have a she's got to know he's got he's got a gambling addiction, doesn't she? She's got to know. She's also got to know that he's got a drinking problem too. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And we're gonna point out the next problem that Stan's got because now that night he's out at Woody's at the beach, so it is a different club. Woody's is a strip club, standard strip club affair for Miami. You know. He, we, we get used mm-hmm. to it after this many years on the show. We've seen it a lot. Stands there oh, with this Kevin. Is a, yeah, and, and this is a great plan. This is a great plan. He's gonna get. He's gonna show the kids some boobs, and then say, "Hey, man, you, you, you like those boobs? How about throwing the game tomorrow?" <laughs> Kevin's complaining about his dad, saying that his dad was always straight and narrow, and he has always been straight and narrow too. But now that he's in over his head, his dad will never understand. Because Stan calls him out and says, I know what's up with you. You owe a lot of money. Yeah. Just like me. No, he doesn't say well, that's that. that's right. He doesn't no, say that. No, he doesn't. He uses he it doesn't. against him. Well, like, he, says, he uses it against him and says, like, I'm a cop. I know these things. I know these guys are after you. I'm I'm like trying to be like a shoulder to help him. I'm going to give you some good advice. And then he's like, you're going to have to throw the game. <laughs> <laughs> he said, like, I hear things. I'm a cop. He didn't admit that he was a degenerate gambler or nothing. No, but it is really important that at the end of that conversation, he's like, you have no choice. You have to throw this game. That's his advice. That's how much mm-hmm. of a degenerate gambler Stan is. Yep. That's how far in he is. That he makes a selfish decision. He he knew that Kevin had a gambling debt as well, 
And he knew he was going to exploit that to fix his own gambling debt as well. Second part to the spiral of out of control that Stan's life is in, he is well known at this strip club. Yep. Because <laughs> it'll come up later. So now we have a bar, a casino, and a strip club, all three of which he is well known at. Yep. He's out of control. <laughs> Next scene, they come in to the boss's office, and he's got this gigantic table. <laughs> oh, yeah. He's got that really <laughs> long and, table. And like, the all. Yeah. In the all-white office, and there's nothing else. It's just the table. Just this gigantic table, and he's, like, eating lunch, and there's just <laughs> nothing else in the entire room. <laughs> we all fast of us to see at the precincts where they find out from Izzy that Chi-Chi was being pursued by Marvin. They had a point out. Marvin probably killed Chi-Chi. Yes, now it's to Marvin's table. Marvin's table is very lonely. It's so big, but it's just Sorry. him there eating salmon. I must have missed the whole Izzy thing. I was distracted by the, gi- the ginormous <laughs> table. Stan is also spying on the conversation from outside, doing what he does best, but we never saw anything before no, but, that. Yeah. He hasn't checked in with the precinct or anything. No one so. told him to do that, is what no. you're saying. Inside, Marvin insinuates that to the agent, because that's who came to talk to Marvin, because it, the agent has been in on it the whole time to get the kid in debt to gambling. That way they'd be in this situation. This conspiracy is deep. They're Mm going to get the dad, Stan, and Kevin all behind the eight ball in order to cooperate. Agent was in on it from the beginning, trying to set him up to put him in front of these people. Okay. So, Stan, now that he has this information, information that this has all been a plot to get Kevin to throw the game and play ball with them so they can fix games, what does he do with this information, knowing that his best friend and his best friend's kid have been targeted by these guys? He goes against drunk and gambles. (laughs) He gets drunk, drunk, stumbling down the street like a hobo. (laughs) Yeah, he looks like a hobo. Drinking out of a paper bag. Paper bag. He goes and gambles. Oh my god! Loses a whole bunch. And and so pretty much like these next scenes that you're describing are all played to this cheesy music. We get this montage, and this montage kind of goes off the rail at the end. Yeah, because he's like deep in thought, stumbling around the street. He's losing a lot of money. He continues to lose that night. Because Stan's a nice guy. He's a terrible, that's a terrible personality for a gambler. (laughs) Like, oh, no, you go ahead. You won this hand. I understand it was a mistake. Go ahead. And then he ends up at Woody's, where then he gets into a fight at the strip club, which is like a no-no. No matter if you're known there or not, you can't get in a fight at a strip club. Thank God Don Johnson happens to be at the strip club (laughs) as himself. (laughs) After the fight, Crockett shows up. That's when the music kind of stops and Crockett takes him to the side. Hey, hey. Only me and Tubbs get the montages. Like, this is, <laughs> this is what happens when secondary characters try and hold their own montage. They can't handle it. So, and then they get sick all over their shoes. <laughs> <laughs> this is confirmation on how of a much of a mess Stan's life is. Gambling, drinking, strip clubs, drinking on the street. Stumbling around, getting in fights at these places that he goes to. Ruining his relationship. Places we, <laughs> yeah, destroying relationships with everybody that he knows. He is a mess. I was pretty sure he was going to sleep on that park bench. I thought for sure, too. Like that, that's, that's just where he was going to crash that night. And during all of this, Holly's at home with the most amazing looking corn on the cob. Waiting <laughs> on the table for him. How many uh-huh. corn on the cobs were they going to eat, though? <laughs> There was like seven corn on the cobs in that plate. And just two of them. She made like a whole turkey. Like, what is going on? If I make you a Thanksgiving dinner, your ass better be there. (laughs) She's a damn good girlfriend. And I I bet you she was a heck of a wife to Lonnie as well. (laughs) So now the duo have Stan in the caddy. And they're outside. They're talking to him outside of his house. Like, what's going on with you? And Stan says, it's Holly. She's a bitch. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Basically, that's what he says. They're like, oh, I don't get that vibe from her. She's like, she seems like she's really supportive of you. And actually, she's waiting for you at her house right now. <laughs> she's not mad or anything. She just wanted us to make sure you're safe. And he's like, no, she's a bitch. <laughs> yeah, I told you what the problem is. It's Holly. If you don't believe me, I don't care. They're like, calm down, buddy. It's okay. Calm down. At Mac's bar, Mac is closing up and he gets attacked by Marvin's muscle to kidnap him and dump him in the truck, drive away. Back at Stan's the next Ninja morning. Ninja chop. Yeah, they just chop him in the neck and he goes down. And I love when they put him in the trunk. 
he like folds himself up. He's like, okay, I'm just gonna fold my body up so I fit in here. Please don't hit my fingers on the trunk. <laughs> Man, Ubers are get these days. <laughs> the next morning, Stan is sleeping. We're back at his place. He gets woken up by Marvin. He opens up the blinds. Stan, drunk, still hungover. Marvin and his muscle are both there. And Stan's got a sweet Elvis painting above his bed, by the way. Also, like, like what kind of cop is he? He doesn't even know someone's uh-huh. in his house. <laughs> Stan says he tried talking to Kevin, but the kid won't listen. Marvin says, yeah, I know. I got his dad, too. So his dad doesn't seem to want to listen, either. <laughs> He's too busy sleeping. <laughs> <laughs> he looks so comfortable in that trunk. He's just so tuckered out. I couldn't yeah, bother him. Exactly. Now Stan's paying attention because his best friend Mac has been captured by Marvin. He's like, what did you do to him? He's like, nothing yet. His best friend who we've never met before, though. <laughs> Marvin gets mad. Says, you owe me a lot of money. Excuse me. If you don't work it out, all three of you are going to have a problem. You're all going to end up yeah, being yeah. something like, I don't know what he said, something like he's going to throw them in the dam or I don't know, something <laughs> like. Uh, like the mile marker or something. Yeah, mile markers or something in the in the water or something, though. I don't know what that means. So <laughs> It feels like uh, with all the alligators and stuff in Florida, you can get rid of a dead body easy. The mile markers are the buoys. They're usually out about a mile off the coast, and so boats... Don't. Oh, okay. oh gotcha. Now I get it. Yeah. Swimming crap. So now Stan runs over to the stadium and he sees Kevin doing his best Vision Quest impersonation as he's running up and down the stairs in the stands. He's no hmm. math. <laughs> he can't pull it off. Vision <laughs> Quest. How does Vision Quest connect? <laughs> huh. Stan says, we got a problem. You got to throw that game. Kevin says, there's no way I'm not going to do that. And Stan says, you have no choice. They got you dead. Which seems like a problem solved. Kevin. He's like, well, too bad. No. <laughs> but no, like, yeah. God damn it. <laughs> so they got dad. Whatever. I'm still going to win this bitch. <laughs> now we're at game time. We're at Woody's. Everyone's watching the game, including, well, Stan's there, but he can't watch. He's too nervous. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or drunk, either one. Kevin's doing his part to throw the game, too. He's having a horrific game. You hear it on the radio or on the TV. Like another fumble, that was a bad throw. Like he's just collapsing out on the field. Which, when mm. you throw a game, it's supposed to be subtle. Yeah, not. <laughs> <laughs> now, Kevin's agent is also watching the game at his place, and Stan comes running in, just bitch slapping the hell out of him. Like, where is he? Where is he? Wanting yeah. to know where Mac is. And so we get a little bit of wild Stan here, you know? Uh, Stan is about to go on a whole rampage. It's going to be awesome. <laughs> He's bitch slapping the agent back and forth, and he finally gives up and says that Marvin has him at his bar, I think is what that is. That Chi-Chi's. Oh, Chi-Chi's bar, yep. And Stan's going to go get him. The agent says, you can't go. Marvin's going to kill me because he's He's going to know that I told. He pulls out a gun. Stan tackles him. There's a fracas wrestling. Yeah, there's a big fight. Stan pushes him over towards the railing, and the agent goes over the railing and hits the ground, and he's dead. And that's never talked about. No. (laughs) Stan just murdered a guy. Stan just murdered a guy, and then in the very next scene, he calls Crockett and tells him, I've got to go save my buddy's dad, uh, my best, uh, my best friend. Just go clean up the bodies. Exactly. So, like, wait, wait, you just, did you just ask Crockett to go clean up your murder? That's exactly what he says. He says, I'm going to bust. I know where Mac is. I'm going to go bust him. And Sonny tries to say, that's a bad idea. You shouldn't go, you should go by, by yourself. yourself. Yeah. And Stan says, it's too late. Come get the bodies. And then hangs up the phone. Yeah, but that's, but he never talk about the agent, though. No. That's just the bodies he's going to leave at, at Chi-Chi's place. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. So the agent's murder is still unsolved. Well, they never talk about it. Yeah, and you can see the look on mm. Tubbs' face the whole time. It's like, Stan, you can't do this. You're not on an island out in the Atlantic. You can't do this <laughs> in the city limits. It's not some small town in Florida. <laughs> <laughs> so now we go over to Chi-Chi's. Marvin and Associates are watching the game. They got Max strung up at the bar. But it's like a multi-level bar so there's people spread out all over the place what i'm saying is this is a good splinter cell level there's lots of people all spread <laughs> yeah, out yes dan comes in and of course you know they got one the poor bodyguard who drew the short straws making like tea or something <laughs> Stan runs up punches him knocks him out and then just the rampage is on and i love this because he goes from punching a guy he shoots another guy on the stairs and then that's when they catch on that he's there and so they all kind of bump into each other and this gunfight starts and that's about when 
Tubbs and Crockett show up. And she's like, in the middle of this gunfight, Stan stands, oh, Crockett, Tubbs, good, you guys got this? Okay, I'm just going to go over here for a few minutes. <laughs> I'm just going to go specifically to Marvin. You guys handle everyone else, and it's a huge shootout. Yeah, exactly. There's a couple of times where it looks like almost like Sonny got shot because he's like jumping around and stuff. Doing it military style. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Sam basically went up to the beehive and smacked it with a stick and then said, all right, you guys cool? <laughs> yeah, clean it up. Stan corners Marvin next to Mac. Stan says, don't move police. So he does do what he's supposed to do. But then Mac, at the simultaneously, Mac kicks him and then Stan fires. But... Before Mac kicks him, mm. Marvin says, like, you'll never arrest me because I've got all the goods on you. I have all your information. He pulls out that black book. Then Mac kicks him and then he shoots the gun. And then that's the end of Marvin. So Marvin falls. Crockett looks up at him and Stan just goes, he reached for a gun. And the he way lied. he says it. Yeah. The way he says it. Yeah. No, he just murdered his second uh, or this or would be his second victim. Yeah. 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 And then Mac runs over. He's like, yeah, I saw it. He had to do it. They all line for of each course. other. Of course. They're best buddies. And you can see that Crockett is already skeptical about that. And then he hears later, or then, mm. then the conversation goes on, and he's like, how did you know? Well, I put a bug in the agent's office or whatever. He's like, you put a wiretap in without getting a warrant? Yeah, which, uh, come on, Crockett. <laughs> you skirted around the rules before. Don't, don't lie. <laughs> which so. is why it's problematic to have Sonny be the one. I guess, sorry. It's not. It's good for the episode that Sonny is the one that calls him out on, because Sonny can say, I understand people make mistakes. But if it was like... Yes, because I make them all the time. Because <laughs> I was a murdering cartel runner for a while. But mm. just remember that if it was Gina or Trudy that catch anyone in the act, they're going to jail. True. Very true. Now, this is when Mac and Stan run off. They run over to the game. It's halftime. Coach is giving a like a pump up speech at halftime to his players. Oh, yeah. They're running back out on yeah, the let's field. Let's win this one for the Gipper. <laughs> and the coach says, "Hey, Kevin, your bench suck. Yeah, sorry, <laughs> your bench." But then yeah. he sees his dad and Stan come running in, and he gets the the second win. Like, okay, they're safe. I can actually play normal hey, now. Hey, wait, coach, I was throwing the game. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, how did that conversation go? Like, like, oh, I'm all better now, coach. You're still benched. Terrible. <laughs> like, and it's even worse if you go, like, oh, no, I was just throwing it on purpose. But it's okay now. Yeah, still benched. Fine now. <laughs> now you're off the team. And you're out of, you can't do that. I mean, obviously, they'd throw you off the team and you'd be suspended from doing, like, sports. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he'd be blackballed. Yeah. Which is going to come up later when we get to the end of this episode. And it, so we're at the final scene now. We're at Stan's place. Stan's walking up. He talks to Kevin. Kevin says, I know what you did for me. I know how you got my dad. You rescued my dad. And also, you murdered everyone I owed money to. So Basically, now I don't owe money yeah. to anyone. And I have probation for my gambling. He has to work with the DA, mm -hmm. they Which should be a black ball out of collegiate sports. He shouldn't be allowed to play so anymore. You get the distinct feeling from what's said because, like, like they're saying, like, I know you're going to beat this. And Stan's like, I I'm going to beat this. Is Stan under investigation? No, they Is mean he because he's going to beat being a gambler. Being addicted to gambling. Because the kid's I, like, I know. I don't know. No. I don't know because he won't admit it, not even to the kid. Talking to the kid, the kid's like, you know, hey, you know, you can come with me or, or you know, like we can talk, you know, we can talk about it. Like he won't even talk about the fact, he won't even talk that he even has a problem. The kids, Kevin says, why don't you come to gambling addiction therapy yeah. with me? Yep. Because and Stan I, says, no, I'm going to handle it myself. I have some other things I need to patch up first. Yes. And he says, but but don't worry, I'm going to kick this thing. Yeah. Mm, that's right. That's right. That's when I thought, well, well, uh, that's when it seemed like Stan might go upstairs and uh, maybe. Yes. I, honestly, yes. I thought he was going to hang himself or something. It so, sounds but, really dark, right? Because he says, I have some yeah. other things to patch up. The worst moments in his life have just completed. How was he ever going to come back from it? Stands in danger. Yes. But he also doesn't know oh, yeah. that people know about it. He, he thinks he's still hidden it from like the people that are close to him until, yeah, <laughs> until so the next I was really, <laughs> I was really worried he, that we were going to see he was going to go in and like hang himself or something. But no, no, 
False alarm, guys. False alarm. Just drinking in your underwear. That's all he did. <laughs> he's sitting in there in his underwear. He's drinking. Sonny comes in and says, hey, I'm just here to talk. You know, because remember earlier in the episode where everyone was telling Sonny, like, hey, Sam feels like he's underappreciated. So Sonny's there to show his appreciation. He's like, I'm just here for you, bro. I want to make sure everything's okay. Also, I found this book. Yeah, That's I got your name. <laughs> oh, wait, 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 wait. Isn't that evidence? <laughs> Shouldn't that be in, in, in evidence? <laughs> I'm just yeah. saying, giving me crap about a bug without a court order. You're sitting around walking around with evidence. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> That's not. Sunny says, you did a good job today. However, I know that you killed everyone to get out of your debt. I know what you did, basically. Yeah. So so I think what <laughs> yeah. Sunny I think what Sunny's trying to insinuate is you did the right thing for the wrong reasons. But because you did the right thing, I'm I'm here for you. Like I understand how that is doing the right thing the wrong way. Yes, yeah, because he does it all yeah, the time. I, good on Crockett because he kind of he he gives him the book and he says he's gonna leave it up to Stan. I think that is good for him because like like he, that's the same way he's approached all of his murders. He's left it up to him deal with like the murder weapon and stuff. <laughs> so and then the Stan breaks down crying with Sonny, and then that's the end of the episode. So Stan isn't isn't any closer to solving his problems. We're left with Stan still the gambler, the alcoholic, the degenerate, but now just doesn't have debt anymore yeah. to Chi-Chi. Who knows where else he has debt all over town. He still stumbles oh, around yeah. Hooker Row all drunk, mm-hmm. looking like a hobo. It's not done. It's not done by a long shot. <laughs> there are horse races. There are dog races. There are pony races. There are, there are geese races. Yeah, you wouldn't <laughs> believe the kind of... Oh, uh, yeah, high lie. When this episode ended, I was really hoping that we would have some glint of hope for Stan. Because the further the episode went on, the more you realized how deep he was in. And the thing that really, really stood out to me was that in the moments, the little things... This is good writing on this episode, which is, hasn't happened in a while. <laughs> There's really good writing in this. Like I mentioned earlier about, he says, you have a big game this weekend. Those little things where you, you see through. And it's not just like he likes to have fun. He's losing a lot of money. He has a serious, serious gambling problem. And he wasn't thinking of his friend's health. He was thinking about how he can save himself. When he gives Kevin the recommendation, you should just throw the game. That's a selfish decision on his part. When you leave this episode, you see in what how dark a spot he's in. But speaking of, dark things let's look at the opposite <laughs> of dark things because i hear a, another genesis member makes an appearance in music <laughs> i know i kind of went off into the weeds on my final yes. thoughts here but let's talk about this week's music before we get into those let's go take a look at this week's music all right john are you going to tell me that music is similar to the guest stars this week like there might be some theme that we're picking up here with as we go into the second half of season five we ain't got no mice. That's what we got. <laughs> we are continuing to recycle. Believe it or not, folks, this is not a repeat. We have Greg Ryder and Mike and the Mechanics in music. So <laughs> if those names sound familiar, that's because they've been in our music many, many times before. Big League is the song by Tom Cochran and Red Ryder, which I didn't realize that, but for a short time, they went as Tom Cochran and Red Ryder instead of just Red Ryder. If you're not familiar with Red Ryder, they are the Canadian rock band made famous for their song Lunatic Fringe. Lunatic Fringe's appearance in the movie Vision Quest because... They wouldn't be famous if it wasn't for Vision Quest, obviously. No one would listen to that song. I mean, why would you? <laughs> no one no one loves that song. No, no one. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, by the way, they played Lunatic Fringe in Smuggler's Blues. They will also, I believe, no. They also put up in music for Can't Turn Back in Tale of the Goat. Mm. Interesting. They get used more so, often than I thought they would. Yeah, third appearance here. Rather than go through all of Red Rider's stuff, which you've which already talked about, we're just going to talk about Tom Cochran. Tom Cochran is basically the Canadian Bono, by the way. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, he's a member. He's a member of the Canadian Music Hall of Fame. 
Guy has done all kinds of charity work in Africa and Asia and all over the... That's why I said he's like the Canadian Bono. So a couple cool things that he's also done. In 92, he sang the Canadian National Anthem before Game 2 of the World Series between the Braves and Blue Jays. The Blue Jays would go on to win. Canada, you can thank him for that. You have a World <laughs> Series. Uh, he performed his song, Just Like Ali, in front of Muhammad Ali at halftime in 2002 of Toronto Argonauts game. That's CFL, <laughs> you American people. That That's the Canadian Football League. If someone wrote a song uh, about you and then they perform it for you in front of you do you how long do you maintain eye contact i, I don't know I, i'm more confused that why the hell was muhammad ali at a uh, at a canadian <laughs> football league game how did that happen last thing 2006 rascal flats covered tom cochran's life as a highway for the movie cars now he makes even more money for not actually. <laughs> uh, and then in 08, he went out with John Cougar Mellencamp, which seems very fitting. Our next music is Mike and the Mechanics. We have Nobody's Perfect. So Mike and the Mechanics, also their song Far Avian showed up in Yankee Dollar. And Hanging by a Thread showed up in Baby Blues. So this is their third appearance. Not Genesis, by the way. Not Genesis, but Mike and the Mechanics specifically. I say that because Mike and the Mechanics is Mike Rutherford's side project that he had while he was in Genesis. Genesis, Mike Rutherford, yeah. All right, how about we do this instead? Instead of talking about Mike and the Mechanics for the fourth time, I'm going to name the members of Mike and the Mechanics' former band. The names of their former bands, all right? So, Mike Rutherford, his very, the very first band he was in was called the Chesters. And then he would go he would go on to Genesis and then Mike and the Mechanics would be his side project. Least amount of bands. Then we have Paul Young. He was in the Young Brothers, Young and Renshaw. He was in Sad Cafe, then Mike and the Mechanics, and he also sang the theme to the British kids show Avenger Penguins. <laughs> which I just thought was interesting. Then we have Adrian Lee. He was in a jazz band called Red Hot. Then he was in a Brit goth band called Toya, which was apparently fronted by someone named Toya Wilcock. He would then do Mike and Mix. Now he does film scores and session work. You can hire him to be your <laughs> keyboardist. And then that leads us to Paul Carrick's. Paul Carrick has by far got the most and most interesting bands former band. So he was in a jazz band called Warm Dust. He left that for Ace, a pub rock band. He was a support musician for Roxy Music. He went solo for a while. Then he was in a band called Squeeze. Followed that up with a band called, a short-lived band called Noise To Go. After Noise To Go, be a session musician for both the Smiths and the Pretenders. And then he was in a band called Nick Lowell and his Cowboy Outfit. <laughs> The best name. <laughs> then Mike and the Mechanics, and he would follow that up with the Bleeding Hearts Band with Roger Waters. Mm. So, which, why is, why is Roger Waters the Bleeding Hearts Band? Why does that sound like a Beatles ripoff? <laughs> I know. So there you go. Some fan names, some fun actual bands that the members of Mike and the Mechanics were in. <laughs> so I think Nick Lowell in his cowboy outfit might be my favorite. <laughs> I do appreciate that Vice is going to find ways to torture you with more Genesis stuff. You know, P Peter Gabriel, Phil Collins, Mike and the Mechanics. Like, they're going to they're gonna make sure that make yeah. you talk about them more before the show's over, John. Oh, oh. You know, and I, I I can't be unfair to Peter Van Hook. I almost forgot his bands. Headstone, EZO, the, and then his first band was called The Call of the Wild. <laughs> and then R.R. Parnell Independent. He actually created and co-produced Live from Abbey Road on Channel 4. Well, let's go give our final thoughts on this one. I kind of tipped my hand yeah. on my final <laughs> thoughts. Maybe. <Yeah. laughs> let's go break this one down for the last time. All right, John, why don't you kick us off? We haven't had you start in a while for our final thoughts. What are your final thoughts on this episode? I really like this episode. I, you know, I think it, it was, there were some fun things with, you know, 
a little goofiness with the gambling aspect, but from beginning to end, what we saw with with Stan and his journey through here, we saw a gambling addict and an alcoholic who was just barely functioning. As you're going through the episode, it's hard to kind of imagine what's going through his head, but it's very telling how a lot of his acts leading up to the end of this episode, it was just him trying to get ahead of this. Him trying to get ahead of anyone finding out he's got a gambling problem. Trying to take care of the bookie. And trying to feed his addiction. He wasn't thinking Stan or Stan the cop at all. I mean, even at the, even all the way at the end when he, he, he uh, rescues his best friend. All of that is very selfish motivated motivation for him. I mean, I know he's, he's trying to help his friend. But at the same time, you know, this is... Uh, like he even crosses the line doing that so something that i really liked about the episode too is that he doesn't admit that he has a problem like he keeps trying to change the subject and trying to not not talk about it you know like it's fine or 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 it's holly or something else and at the very end crockett sits down with them and he shows them the book and he's look man i know which it does bother me a little bit that the vice squad seems to know holly but they don't talk very often when he breaks down crying that's him finally coming to terms actually admitting to himself that he has a problem episode ends and there's no bright spot going into the future but that's like with addiction with a lot of people who who struggle with addiction like there's just getting to that spot is huge where crock is and some people never get past that i know personally i know someone who's going through that right now and it's just a tough thing to watch that person just continually fall back into the same cycle i thought it was a, a fantastic episode and i liked the way we fought uh, the the way they did portrayed Stan's journey through this because I felt like it was very true to an addict. Melissa, what are your final thoughts? I have always loved this episode. I've been waiting for the episode. <laughs> that sounds bad. <laughs> I'm waiting for Stan to be sad. No. But yeah, I mean, I love this episode. I think they do a really great job of showing you just how deep he is and how much denial he is about what's really going on and like why he's really unhappy. It's got to be something other than just like he doesn't like his job. Or, you know, he's, he's deep, deep into this. And I know that this episode kind of like tries to touch on it and stuff like that. But it gets further on in, into the season and you get to see more of that. And this is not rock bottom yet, which is sad because like you think this is rock bottom. He's in debt for all this money. He was basically selling out his best friend and his son. He almost got them killed and he waited to the very end to save them. And he murdered people. <laughs> but this isn't the end for him. It will come back. And... This I think this is a really great story. It's one of my favorite stories of storylines of the last season. And that you I do think it's sad that you have to take to season five to get a good stand storyline that doesn't involve Vito dying. Killing his partner. Yeah. yeah exactly. That doesn't involve yeah, like you you finally get an emotional episode with him where you realize that he's basically ignored. Like people don't he's like crying out for help. He's like sending out signals. All the signals are there. That he's in trouble. And yes, Crockett and Tubbs do help him. But it's like at the very end, at the last minute. There, no one's really trying that hard. Why was he like missing work for weeks? And they were like, oh, by the way. You know, it just, it, it makes me sad that it took for that long for them to write a really good story for Stan. But other than that, I love the episode. Mm. I went into detail already about my final <laughs> thoughts on this. What was surprising from this episode was how deep he was in. And the little hints, the great writing that is in this episode, the little hints that you see. Oh man, he's got a bigger drinking problem than what we thought. Yeah, can you see him at you see him somewhere out on the street? Also, he's well known at this one bar and his best friend owns that bar and he's drinking at lunch when he's supposed to be working and stuff. Oh, hey, he likes to go to strip clubs. Oh, he's well known at that strip club. In fact, he's so well known that he got in a fight there and wrecked the place up and he went back there the next day to watch the game and they let him in there. Just a little snide comment like, uh, please don't uh -huh. wreck the place up. But otherwise, they just let him back in. He's got such a gambling mm -hmm. problem that he set up, like you guys were saying, his best friend and his best friend's kid. And thinking, as John was saying, the total addiction habit, thinking he was doing the right thing. He didn't understand what the problem was. So by the time mm -hmm. we got to the end of this episode, it's really sad. It's really sad to see where Stan is and how far he's fallen and how much the 
Vice team has lost track of them. So I don't think it's on purpose. Everyone gets yeah. busy. Crockett's, you know, murdering people on tropical islands and riding his hog out in the <laughs> swamps, you know, got stuff going on. So this is a really good episode. I'm really happy how season five has gone so far. This has been pretty strong season, except for bad timing. But otherwise, it's been a pretty strong yeah. season. It's a pretty strong way that we're going out with the show. I really hoped for that by the time we got to this episode, I was hoping the best for Stan. But when you leave, as you guys both mentioned, he is refusing to admit any problems. And this isn't done. Nope. So <laughs> I'm not looking forward mm -hmm. to when Stan finally does hit rock bottom. And that's going to do it for us this week. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Go With The Heat. We would love to hear from you. Email us, gowiththeheat at gmail.com. Let us know what you thought about this episode. And let us know what you think, how deep is this episode, and how bad is Stan's problem. Email us, gowiththeheat at gmail.com. Let us know what you think. Be sure to check out that website, gowiththeheat.com. You can find all the ways to subscribe, all the ways to contact us, all the ways to show your support. Support step number one, go leave us a review on your podcast, your platform of choice, iTunes. And go ahead and give us a five-star review. No one will know that I told you to give me a five-star review. No one will have any idea that you wanted to, that we wanted you to give the Miami Vice podcast a five-star review. We think we're worth five stars. You give us what you want, five stars. And go ahead and leave a review. But not a review of the show. No one ever reads the reviews of the show. Instead, write in there. Write in your favorite Paul Carrick's band. Uh, former <laughs> band. I'm going with Nick Lowe and his cowboy outfit. So, but Warm Dust. Don't forget about Warm Dust. <laughs> support step number two. Check out that Patreon. Patreon.com slash go with the heat. We'd love to see your support. That's going to do it for us this week. We hope you enjoyed this episode, and we'll see y'all next time. Bye, pal.